0: Arwen's mother had been an avid reader of fantasy, so of course her daughter hated everything about it. This was only exasperated by the fact that people continually asked her if she was named after that Arwen. Yes, she was, and of course she had read the books, and no, I don't think I look like her at all, thank you very much. Arwen dealt in facts. She was a homicide detective, and she had decided long ago to leave any notions of fantasy and the paranormal to her mother and others of a similarly childish mindset. So one could imagine her vexation when faced with a case that seemed utterly implausible, if not downright impossible. One could also imagine how this vexation grew worse when her partner, jokingly or not, suggested the absurd. "'Looks like our killer's a ghost,' Dan said, rising from where he had been examining the second body. "'Don't be an idiot,' said Arwen. "'What have we got?' "'Well, this one's easy,' said Dan, pointing to the first body. "'Gunshot to the chest. The other guy's holding the gun, but his neck's broken.' So there was someone else here, said Arwin. Dan shook his head. I mean, that makes sense, but all the doors are locked, except this one, where the first guy was coming in, but his key is still in it. So the killer broke this guy's neck and walked out the front. Stepping over the body, Dan asked. Or maybe the killer shot him and planted the gun on the other one. Dan thought about this for a minute. It's possible. Of course it is, said Arwin. Now go find out if anyone saw anything. Sure thing, your majesty. Don't call me that. Dan did a mocking bow and then stepped outside, taking care to skirt the pool of blood left by the gunshot victim. Arwen knelt beside the two bodies. They were obviously brothers. She didn't need ID to prove that. The one with the broken neck was older, with dark hair that had a shock of white in the front. The younger brother was staring blankly through a pair of emerald eyes. Arwen moved into the living room. Here, there were obvious signs of a struggle. A broken lamp, an overturned end table. Someone else had been here. After Arwen finished her sweep of the house, she went outside to meet up with Dan. He was standing by their car, smoking an e-cig. Still vaping? Arwen asked. Baby steps, said Dan. Find anything? Arwen shook her head. Someone else was definitely in that house, but they didn't leave much. We'll have to wait for DNA, but I'm sure whatever they find will belong to the victims. Not much to go on out here either, said Dan. The caller said they only heard the gunshot, but didn't see anything. I asked a few of the neighbors, and it's the same. I've got an officer questioning the rest. I think that's all we can do tonight. All right, said Arwin. We'll pick it up tomorrow. As they got into the car and drove away, Arwin took a quick peek in the rearview mirror at the gathered crowd of neighbors. Most of them were in their pajamas, it being well after midnight, but there was one man wearing his fine suit. She may have noticed him, but she thought nothing of it. Detectives weren't the only people who worked late, after all. But had she watched a moment longer, she may have realized that he was not there to be questioned. In fact, he was hardly standing with the rest of the crowd at all, but lingering on the outskirts, staring at the house. But as her glance was just a quick one, she noticed none of this. And she certainly did not notice him vanish into the air. Hall of Mirrors, Episode 1 Into the Looking Glass The next morning yielded few results for Dan and Arwen. They spent about an hour or so poring over witness reports that all echoed the same thing. While there were plenty of people who had heard the gunshot, not a single person saw the killer leave. DNA turn anything up? Arwen asked after draining her third cup of coffee. Not yet. They're still working, Dan said. What do we have on the brothers? Not much. Quiet lives. Both of them worked from home freelance. Freelance what? Looks like web design, said Dan, both of them. No priors or any reason a killer might be after them? None that have turned up. Arwen nodded. She was going through a mental checklist. They weren't criminals, at least not clearly, so gang violence was unlikely. Maybe one of the brothers pissed off a client? Though a botched website was more likely to lead to a bad review than a broken neck. What about next of kin? Arwen asked. That's one interesting thing, Dan replied. There aren't any. None? None, said Dan. Arwen thought back to her checklist. That ruled out a family feud, with the exception that the older brother apparently shot the younger. But then who killed him? At that moment, Arwen's phone vibrated. She looked down at the text. Damn, she said under her breath. What is it? Dan asked. Remember that missing persons case? The Adams Girl? Arwen nodded. They just found a body. What the hell, said Dan, looking at the corpse on the ground before him. He puffed his e-cig. Disgusting. People are monsters, said Arwen. She knelt beside the body. We're sure it's her? Her backpack was found in the bushes over there, said the officer who called it in. Teeth are still intact, so we can run dental to be sure, but this isn't far from where she was last seen. Arwen nodded and cursed under her breath. Carol Adams had only been missing a few days. Sure, 48 hours was their best window to find her, but Arwin had hoped. Now before her lay a body of what was once a 23-year-old, though now it was deformed. The skin was blackened and shriveled, the muscles non-existent so that the outline of bones could easily be seen. Dan and Arwin stepped away so CSI could take photos. What do you think? Dan asked. She was burned, but... It doesn't look quite right, Arwin said. Also, if the killer wanted to hide the body by burning it, why dump it here, back in the park where she was last seen? Showmanship, Dan suggested. Not a first-time killer, said Arwin. Somebody who wants their work to be seen, continued Dan. He's proud of his work or wants to send a message. He wants his fifteen minutes, said Arwin. He knows this will be on the news, in the papers, talked about. But why Carol? You said it might not be a first-time killer. Do we know of other bodies like this? I'll have to double-check some files, but something about this seems familiar. She trailed off when she noticed someone standing off a ways. A man in a fine suit had come around a bend in the trail. She called out to him. I'm sorry, sir, this is an active crime scene. She turned to one of the nearby officers. Can't we get some tape up? Somebody get that guy. She turned back and stopped. The man in the suit had disappeared. She looked at Dan. He just shrugged must have gone back up the trail. Arwen sat in her car outside the Adams residence. This was always the hardest part of the job. It wasn't exactly her responsibility. An officer could easily deliver the news. But Arwen had been leading the investigation, and she had personally told Mrs. Adams that she would follow up with any information she had. She looked at Dan, who was in the passenger seat next to her, on the phone. I'm on hold, he said. Remind me again why they keep these dental records locked up so tight? Just have them sent to the station as soon as you can, Arwin said. I think I'll go inside. I told Mrs. Adams I'd update her as soon as I knew something. She deserves to know what we believe. All right, said Dan. I'll get them checked as soon as I can. Arwin got out of her car and knocked on the door. There was no answer. After a moment, she tried again. She looked at the car in the driveway beside her. It looked like somebody was home. After the third knock she also rang the doorbell. This time the door was opened and Arwin gasped. Can I help you? Carol asked. Arwin had seen pictures of the girl when she had been reported missing. The person standing in the doorway was unmistakably her. Carol? Arwin asked. Carol Adams. Uh yeah. Who are you? I'm Detective Roberts. You Forgive me, but you were reported missing two days ago. Oh, said Carol. Well, I'm back now, so I guess, um, your services are no longer required? Arwen frowned. Is your mom home? I would like to speak to her. She's out. Can I come in? What for? Arwen could not explain the feeling she had, but she could tell something wasn't right about any of this. I would just like to ask you a few questions. Where have you been the last two days? Look, I was with a friend, okay? My mom freaked out about it and called you guys. That's all. Carol started to close the door, but Arwen reached out and stopped it. Wait. Just have your mom call me when she gets back, okay? Yeah, sure. With that, Carol closed the door. Arwen stood on the doorstep for a moment, a little dumbfounded. Dan was still on the phone when she got back. She was about to tell him not to bother with the records when something caught her eye. A man in a suit. He was standing on the corner, looking at the Adams house. He looked familiar. Of course, he was the man from the park earlier, but it was more than that. Arwen had definitely seen him before. Excuse me, she said, moving towards him. The man looked at her as she approached, and she paused. He had a pair of emerald eyes, the same eyes that had stared up at her from the body she had just seen last night. The man turned to go. Wait, said Arwin, hurrying after him as he turned the corner, behind a house and out of sight. Arwin rounded the corner and saw that the man was nowhere to be found. Son of a... she muttered to herself. Arwin. She nearly jumped at the voice. She turned to see Dan standing there. What are you doing? he asked. I... Arwin looked at the spot where the man ought to have been. Nothing. You okay? Dan asked as they made their way back towards the car. I'm just... It's been a weird day, Arwin admitted. Carol's back, but her parents didn't notify us. What do you mean? Dan asked. Carol, the missing girl. I just spoke to her. Arwin, Dan said, stopping. I just got off the phone with the station. The dental records were sent over and they're a match. Arwin looked at him. What? The records were a match. The body we found in the park was Carol's. That's impossible. Arwen started towards the Adams house, but as she did so, she saw the car pulling out of the driveway. Carol was driving. Hey! Arwen shouted, running now. Stop! Either Carol did not hear her shouting or did not care, for the car continued off down the road. Damn it! said Arwen, sprinting to her car. Arwen, what's going on? Dan was close behind her. They both jumped into the car and Arwen sped off after Carol. Talk to me, Arwen, said Dan. I don't know what's happening, said Arwen. But I just talked to Carol, so either the dental work was wrong or there's something fishy going on. Either way, I'd like to get some answers from her. Arwen wanted the truth. That was her job as a detective. But even more than that, she was sick of this growing feeling in the pit of her stomach. Things were not adding up. Things always added up. Arwen stayed a safe distance behind Carol's car so as to not alert her to their presence. To her surprise, they followed her all the way back to the park where they had found her body. A body. Arwen told herself. We found somebody's body, but Carol is clearly alive. She wasn't about to believe that people were coming back from the dead. Carol got out of her car. Arwen and Dan waited for her to start down the trail before they followed her. What is she doing here? Dan asked in a whisper. That's what I'm hoping to find out. Now shh. They stayed several paces behind Carol, taking care not to lose sight of her as she rounded the corners on the trail that wound through the woods. Finally, they stopped. Carol was standing in the middle of the trail. Best Arwin could tell, this was the spot they had found the body earlier. The police had gone after the body and all evidence had been collected, and now there was no one in sight. Arwin looked to Dan from where they were crouched behind the bushes. She motioned for him to wait, then she stood up. Carol, Arwin said, approaching the girl. Carol whipped around. She looked surprised to see Arwin there, but she covered the surprise quickly with a frown. Detective, said Carol, can I help you? I just want to ask you some questions, said Arwen, and I want to be left alone, Carol spat back. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not saying that you have. I'm just hoping to clear a few things up. I told you I was with a friend. Somebody died, Arwin said, cutting her off. You went missing for two days, and a body was found where you were last seen, a body that we all thought was you. Carol gave Arwin a cold, menacing look. You're getting a little too nosy, detective, she said. Arwen was on her guard. She was ready to draw her gun if needed, but she wasn't ready for what happened next. She heard Dan cry out behind her. Look out! There was a flash of light and a scream. Something hit Arwen and knocked her to the ground. Dan, she said. Dan, where are you? Arwen had been blinded by the flash. She felt around on the ground and blinked frantically. Dan? The only response was a groan. Slowly, her vision went from black to spotted, and finally shapes came into focus. Dan was on the ground beside her blood seeped from a wound in his shoulder. Was he shot? Arwen hadn't heard the gun. She crawled to him and pulled out her phone. Dan, it's okay. You're going to be okay. I'm calling an ambulance right now. Just hang in there. As Arwen called for help, she scanned the surrounding area. Carol was nowhere to be seen. Arwen was not one to sit around and waste time, especially when she so desperately needed a distraction. She had seen Dan to the hospital, but once he was taken into surgery, it was out of her hands. She rushed home and barely took the time to wash off the blood and change her clothes before she was back to work. The first stop was the coroner's office. She had to double-check those dental records in person. And she wanted to check the bodies from last night. She was sure that man she saw at the house looked just like the younger brother, but she hoped she was wrong. Her first check yielded few results. The dental records had been sent twice, and the coroner had even re-examined the burned, shriveled body they had found, and still he claimed it was Carol Adams. We're running DNA too, he said, but that'll take a bit to get back to us. He then showed her where the bodies from the night before were being kept. Do you need anything else, or... I've got some work to do, the coroner said after pulling out the requested body. No, I just want to take a look, said Arwin. You go on ahead. The coroner nodded and left the room. Arwin looked at the body in front of her. The bullet had entered the chest, close to the heart. He had bled out quickly. The wound had been cleaned during the autopsy and looked like a hole put in a dummy rather than a fatal injury. It was the face that concerned her, though. It was indeed the man she had seen earlier today. Twice now. Once at the park, and later at the Adams house. She pulled back the lids, and there they were. Those same emerald eyes. He's definitely dead. Damn. Arwen jumped at the voice. She hadn't heard anyone enter the room. She looked up. There, a few yards away, stood the man in the suit. He was black and finely tailored, with a red vest patterned with gold paisley. His face was the spitting image of the man on the table. Arwen clumsily drew her gun. Who are you, she said, pointing it at the man. He raised his hands. Easy, detective. I'm looking for answers, too. I don't suppose you know who killed this man, do you? Arwen kept her gun trained on him. Answer the question. Who are you, the man lowered his hands and sighed. If you can't help me, I really should be on my way. His hands started to move towards his pocket. Don't said Arwin, put your hands behind your head and get down on the ground. Suppose I just go with you to the station. I don't want to wrinkle my suit. Arwin considered this for a moment, then flicked her gun to indicate the exit. Just keep your hands where I can see them. Wait, said Arwin as they went out the back door. They were in an alley behind the coroner's office, and she was standing behind the man in the suit. She holstered her gun and pulled out a pair of handcuffs. Those aren't necessary, detective, the man said. Better safe than sorry. Who've you got now, partner? Arwen turned over her shoulder. Dan was there, leaning against the wall of the alley, his arm in a sling. He was smoking a cigarette. Dan? Arwen said. What are you doing here? just got released. Chief told me you'd be here, was hoping you had a lead on whoever shot me. Wasn't this guy, was it? The man in the suit just snorted. They let you out already? That doesn't sound... Dan, why are you smoking? Dan hesitated and looked at the cigarette in his hand. Ah, give me a break. I just got shot. Exactly, Arwen said. You just got shot. You shouldn't be out of the hospital yet. I saw how much blood you lost. Dan's face grew thoughtful. Detective, said the man in the suit, just loud enough for Arwen to hear. I think we ought to go. Just then, Dan reached into his jacket, using the arm that had been in the sling. Arwin reached for her own weapon, but the man in the suit grabbed her arm and pulled her down the alley. A gunshot rang out and a bullet whizzed by her ear. They ducked around the corner just as another shot went off. What the hell is going on, Arwin demanded. Look here, said the man, looking down who was holding a small pocket mirror that dangled from a silver chain in his vest. Arwen caught a brief glimpse of her own frustrated expression, but immediately looked back up at the man. What is, she began, but realized the man was gone. In fact, everything was gone. All at once, Arwen was surrounded by darkness, as if someone had shut off the light and inadvertently turned out the entire world. She whipped around. Hey, she called into the blackness. What the hell is this? Her voice carried into the vast darkness, as though she were shouting from a mountaintop. Then, something caught her eye. A pinprick of light in the darkness. She stepped towards it and paused. Her feet made a splashing sound when she walked, but when she lifted her foot to touch it, it was perfectly dry. She made for the light, but before she had gone ten paces, another appeared on her right. This one seemed closer, so she made for that instead. Then there was another and another, orbs of light started to dot the inky blackness like stars in the night sky. As more light reached her, she could see the ripples sent out from the steps she took, though she could not see what it was that was rippling. She was not walking through water. In fact, it seemed like she was walking on nothing at all. She reached one of the orbs of light and saw that it was a perfect silver sphere, about the size of a basketball. She saw herself reflected in the orb, but after a second glance, she realized that it wasn't her at all. That is to say, it was her, but all wrong. Her hair wasn't quite right and her eyes had changed color. She looked at another orb and this time, she was reflected as a man. In the next orb, her skin was a different tone. A curiosity gripped her and she reached out to touch the orb. It seemed to echo the same curiosity and drifted eagerly towards her. Please don't touch that. Arwin turned around. There he was, the man in the suit. The man who was supposed to be dead. The man who nonchalantly ignored the impossible. What? What is this place? The man smiled. This, he said, holding out both arms, is the Hall of Mirrors. All at once the world changed. There was an explosion of color as cosmic clouds appeared drifting around them in every dimension, above as well as below. Blues and greens swirled with reds and purples, and more lights seemed to join the ones that had already shown themselves. No longer was Arwen looking at the night sky, but she was floating through some far-off galaxy. For a moment, Arwen gazed in wonder. Then she came to her senses and shook her head. This isn't happening, she said. Did Dan get me? Am I bleeding out? She checked herself for a wound. You're not injured, and I assure you, you are quite conscious, said the man in the suit but if you'd rather believe this is a hallucination, be my guest. He turned and started walking somewhere. As this seemed an endless space, it was impossible to guess his destination. Okay, said Arwen, falling in stride behind him. They both sent ripples along the floor, if one could call it that. Assuming this is really happening, why don't you fill me in? Where are we? did I tell you? said the man. This is the Hall of Mirrors. I thought that introduction was rather impressive. I've never done it before. Right. And what is the Hall of Mirrors? Is this some Wonderland shit where we're trapped inside that mirror in your pocket? Wonderland? Not at all. And no, the mirror is just a gateway. Drink? As he spoke, he reached out and grabbed the air. A goblet conveniently appeared in his hand, and he took a swig. He offered it to Arwen. Uh, no thanks. Suit yourself. He dropped the cup, and it vanished. The Hall of Mirrors, he went on, is the in-between space. Picture a house with many rooms, and each room is separated by a doorway. Currently, we are standing in that doorway, except it's much bigger, and it doesn't just go between two rooms, it goes between them all. And what are the rooms in this analogy? Arwin asked. Why, they're worlds, of course. Was that not obvious? Like planets? Nothing at all like planets. They are entire universes. Arwin stopped dead and started laughing. So we are in a room that connects to alternate realities. Alternate and parallel, the man man said. You don't want to get those confused. Trust me. I'm dying, said Arwen, mostly to herself. I've been shot, and I'm dying, and the last thing I get to see before I go is some hallucination about other worlds. Listen, said the man. Arwen looked at him and realized he was holding a cane now. I have some work to do, and if you're going to go on babbling like a madwoman, I will just drop you off at home and let you pretend this was all a dream. "'Oh, I'm the one who sounds mad, am I? "'You're the one who's trying to sell me on the idea of other worlds, "'and you're the one who has evidence before her very eyes and still denies it,' said the man. "'With that, he stuck his cane into the ground with a thud. "'All the orbs of light, which had been lazily drifting about up until this point, suddenly froze. "'Now,' said the man, looking at the orbs, "'would you like to come with me and get some answers, or shall I just take you home?' "'He spun the top of the cane and the orbs spun around him in tandem.' He was scrolling through them. "'What are you doing?' asked Arwin. "'Well, I came to your world looking for answers, but ended up finding something a bit bigger. "'Your world is collapsing. "'It's not your fault, of course. "'There's a rift that's causing a crack. "'However, I don't know where that rift is coming from, "'and seeing as there are infinite possibilities, we'll have to go in from your side. "'Ah, here we are.' "'He stopped twisting the top of the cane, and an orb came to settle in front of him. "'There were small cracks marring its surface.' Arwen couldn't help but notice that the man was not reflected in it. He turned to her and held out a hand. Are you coming? What the hell else can I do, Arwen thought to herself. She reached out and took the man's hand. He touched the orb in front of him, and instantly they were no longer standing in the Hall of Mirrors, but on a trail in a wooded park. I believe this is the place, said the man. The park, said Arwen. This is where we found Carol's body. Correct, said the man. So that was her. I'm afraid so. Then who was the girl I talked to? I have my suspicions. Questions will soon be answered. First, we have to find it. Find what? Weren't you paying attention? There's a rift between your world and theirs. I suspect it is here. Now help me look. What am I looking for? Arwen asked. I'm sure you'll know it when you see it, said the man. He himself stepped off the path and started searching in the underbrush. This is absolutely insane, Arwen thought to herself. Never had she dreamed this vividly, but it was all too fantastic to be real. And yet here she was, back in her world, as if there truly are other worlds, carrying on with her investigation. Her desperate need to find the truth helped her push past the disdain she felt for the paranormal. Aha, said the man. It was so sudden it made Arwen jump. What? she asked. Come over here. The man was standing just off the path, with bushes up to his waist. Arwen went to him and looked where he was pointing. "'You see?' he said victoriously. The man was pointing at a ring of toadstools. They were a shocking red and dotted with white. But other than their brilliant color, they were just mushrooms. "'What am I looking at?' "'Come here,' said the man, crouching down, "'and look!' Arwen knelt beside him and looked. "'Nothing.' "'I don't,' she began. "'Look closely.' at the flower there, just on the other side of the ring. Okay. Now move your head to the left. Arwen did so and gasped. As she moved, the flower she was looking at, a bright yellow daffodil, suddenly turned pink. She stood up quickly and shook her head. What is that? That, my friend, is the gateway. Come along. The man stood up and looked down, positioning his feet perfectly on the edge of the circle of mushrooms. He began to walk around it, sticking his arms out for balance as if he was on a tightrope. What are you doing? Arwen asked. But as she watched, the man was suddenly gone. Hey! she shouted, and suddenly the man was there again. Come along then, he said, motioning for her to follow. Counterclockwise, if you will. He resumed his position and started to walk the circle around the mushrooms. Arwen sighed and followed suit. She positioned her foot just outside the ring and walked with one foot right in front of the other, taking care not to step on the mushrooms. It all felt very silly, and she was going to say as much, but when she looked up she couldn't find the words. There stood the man in front of her, but they were no longer in the park. Or perhaps they were, but it was entirely different. The trees, for one, were hardly trees at all. They had no leaves, and their trunks were grey and lifeless as stone. The dirt path that had run through the park was a path of black pebbles, and the sky was an unhealthy orange, like a smoggy sunset in the big city. "It's worse than I thought," said the man, looking up at the sky. We don't have much time. As if to prove his point, there was a great rumble and the earth shook. What the hell? shouted Arwin as she struggled to keep her balance. This world is collapsing, said the man, and it's poised to take yours with it. The shaking stopped and the man pointed at the ring of mushrooms. There's the problem, he said. Arwin looked and saw that the mushrooms didn't look right. They were bigger than the ring on the other side, but rather than a smooth round cap, they are split into many, like a floret of cauliflower. This is the gateway, said the man. If we pull these up, the rift should close. That ought to be enough. He knelt down to do just that, but before he could, someone spoke. Please, said the voice. It seemed to come from everywhere and echoed about the ears. We need that gate. The man stood up. Show yourself, he said to the air. We are here, came the voice again. Arwin turned and saw what looked like the shadow of a man, except it was not a shadow, for it was made of light. There were other beings of a similar shape. What are they? she asked the man in a whisper. Wisps, he replied. Not of your world, but then not of this one either. He stepped forward and raised his voice, addressing the crowd of wisps. You have endangered another world, the man said. This gateway of yours is unstable and is tearing both this and another world apart. You do not understand, came the voice. Aura knew it was the wisp at the front of the crowd, but still it seemed to come from all around her. The gateway was built in haste, for our world is dying. It's not your world, interrupted the man. I've seen your world. You're not from here. We fled our world, said the wisp. We were exiled and had no choice but to seek refuge here, and now it's dying. And whose fault is that, hmm? Tell me, how many other gateways have you made? Are they as bad as this one? You're tearing this world apart at the seams. We need a place to live, and how many will you kill to find it? That's what you do, isn't it? You can't survive in her world. I saw the bodies. The girl you consumed so you could copy her, right? We needed her form to survive, and her partner too. You took his form, and for what? So you could finish her off? If we were discovered- You're absolutely right, shouted the man. Arwen was surprised. He had seemed so jovial, almost jester-like up until now, but there was a storm buried beneath the sun. You couldn't be discovered. No one in their world would let you come through if they knew your conditions. We are but few, the wisps protested. Surely a watcher such as yourself could justify- Justify what? Murder? There was another rumble. This one bigger and the ground shook once more. We're out of time, said the wisp. If you will not stand aside, you will be consumed. The man laughed at that. Tell me, he said. Have you ever consumed a watcher before? You want to impersonate me? I'd like to see you try. Not you, perhaps, said the wisp but the woman. That's not going to happen, said the man. He turned to Arwen then and grabbed her shoulders. I'm going to need you to trust me, he said. "I," Arwen began, but before she could finish speaking, the man pushed her backwards onto the ring of mushrooms. She saw the wisps rear up into the air and there was a bright flash of light. Then she felt the mushrooms flatten beneath her and she was engulfed by darkness. Arwen died. She must have. That's what it felt like. The darkness was not like the hall. It was cold and lifeless. She could not breathe. She gasped but only felt ice and daggers in her lungs. She felt like she was being simultaneously crushed and stretched, like someone with an impossibly strong grip was attempting to tear her limbs from her body. She heard a rush of wind, a scream. There was a flash, and in the brief moment of light she saw a pair of horns the face of the devil. Then she fell. Arwen opened her eyes. She had stopped falling, but she would not say she landed. Beneath her was a swirling galaxy and a trillion stars. She was back in the Hall of Mirrors. She looked up. The man was there, his back to her. He had his cane out again and was scrolling through the sky of orbs. What? What happened? Arwen said, her voice raspy. The man turned to her. Oh, right. Sorry about that, he said. I kind of used you to destroy the portal, and in the process you may have fallen into the space between. I what? Just for a moment, he said. I knew I could find you, and I pulled you out. Completely unharmed. I'll be the judge of that, she said, getting to her feet. I felt like I was dying. Yes, well, in all fairness, you probably were. Nothing lives in the between space. Not outside the hall. Sorry again. He turned back to his scrolling. Arwen massaged her limbs. Far as she could tell, she hadn't received any major injuries. What happened? She asked. To the wisps. They're gone, said the man. The world collapsed and took them with it. And you just let them all die? They were murderers, the man said simply. This still doesn't justify genocide. Genocide, said the man turning to her. Oh, no, 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 no. They were not the only wisps. You heard them. They had been exiled. They were criminals from their world. Still, to let them all die? Are you saying if there was a ship full of criminals carrying a nuclear bomb headed for your country, you wouldn't let it sink? Arwen paused. She didn't know the answer to that. Or maybe she did, but she just didn't like the answer. Now what? she asked and said, I'm taking you home, said the man. Your world is stable now that the broken world is severed. You can go back to your life. Go back to my life? My partner's dead and replaced by some criminal... Wisp? He shouldn't be a problem. Very few made it into your world. I suspect they will do their best to maintain their disguises and remain quiet. Even so, how can I just go back now? The man just shrugged. What about you? Arwen asked. What about me? What are you going to do? I came to your world looking for something, but I was too late. I'm glad chance allowed me to help, and now I must continue my search. Your search for what? The man said nothing. You're looking for whoever killed you, Arwen said. I mean the you from my world. The man turned to her. He looked surprised. What? said Arwin. I'm a detective. I thought maybe it was tied to the wisps, but the body wasn't burned, so something else killed you. Something else, indeed, said the man as a grave look came over his eyes. Great, said Arwin. I'll come with you. I'm sorry? I'll come with you. I mean, it's my case after all, and you can use all the help you can get. I don't think, the man began. Besides, Arwin said, I've never thought any of this existed. But now that I know it's real, I'd like to know as much about it as I can. The man studied her for a moment. You really want to come along? She just shrugged. I can't imagine going back to our normal life, not now. But if I do come, you need to at least tell me your name. The wisp called you a watcher? Is that what you're called? Do you have a name? The man thought. Watcher's not bad, but I'm more than just the watcher of this hall. I am the keeper of the realms, the one who walks between worlds, the one Arwen held up a hand to stop him. Don't get too carried away now. Suppose I just called you Walker. The man smiled. I prefer Strider, he said. Arwen sighed. Of course you do. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. Stay tuned for a sneak peek and next week's adventure. Hall of Mirrors is written and produced by Sam Schultz, with the main theme composed and performed by him as well. Each week brings you a new adventure of Arwin and Strider as they journey through the multiverse, protecting it from various threats from within and beyond. Next time, on Hall of Mirrors, werewolves of New Arwin and Strider go to a new world in search of the man who is hunting Strider's copies. They arrive in a version of America where England won the Revolutionary War and the monarchy rules. Arwin is intent on helping the resistance, but there are other enemies to deal with—far more sinister than the oppressive regimes.